Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, February 14th, 2021, we bring you a special Valentine's Day sermon by Pastor Bob Wade titled, The Gift and Priority of Your Spouse. Enjoy. We're going to talk about marriage a little bit since this is Valentine's Day. Now, the obvious question here that goes whenever you bring that up and say it like that, that we're going to talk about marriage, the obvious question is, well, what about if I'm not married? Right, a lot of single people, people that haven't reached that age yet, and all those things that go with that. Well, you only got one of two possibilities here. One is, is that you could simply do a little evaluation of your life, and you can go, okay, wait a minute, do I really want to be single for a whole life? Or I mean, do I see maybe God bringing somebody into my life? Do I see spending my life, you know, with somebody? And if that's the case, if you answer yes on that, great. You're going to learn some things here this morning and, and uh, we hope and pray that it'll be a blessing to you. Now, if you're the other side and you go, wait a minute, I'm pretty perfectly happy being single. I got the gift of celibacy and you know, I'm going to just honor God and serve him as a single for my whole life. And I got to tell you, I think that's great. If God's called you to that, that's awesome. You've got a long, you know, a lot of things you've got there you can do. You have a lot of freedom. You'd be able to go all around the world, do all kinds of amazing things. In fact, we'll talk about even some of those blessings in just a few minutes. But here's the truth. You're going to be still surrounded by people that are married. And you get an opportunity to have a ministry to them. Not just you, but you have to think about them as well. And so this gives you an opportunity to really figure out how you can minister to them. You know, the most important earthly relationship, earthly relationship, we have biblically is marriage. That's pretty important. But marriage comes with potential issues. I mean, sometimes marital issues will, will kind of stretch over into our work and to, uh, you know, into our careers. And, and, you know, I mean, there's a lot of different things that go on there that can affect a marriage. I mean, you can work long hours. You can have these crazy shifts. I can never figure out, you know, how it was that married people could stay together and be happy when one of them worked like a typical, you know, eight to five and the other one worked, you know, that really tough, like 11 to seven, you know, you know all night long. And how did that really, you know, all work? I mean, there's a lot of those things. We work extra time, overtime, you know, they, maybe they get into a position where they really don't even like the type of work they're doing or trying to climb the ladder. I mean, there's a lot of issues. Sometimes they're selfishness driven. But almost always, marital issues will go back to priority issues where something else or someone else takes priority in our lives. And very often, in a marriage, and it seems very noble at times, but very often it comes back to our kids because they require a lot of attention, a lot of energy. The truth is that time and energy are not infinite. That when our kids need more time from us, that time and that energy has to come from someplace. We don't just make it up. It just doesn't come out of the air. And normally, what ends up happening is in a marriage is it comes from husband and wife time. Now, that means that they're not getting as much time together, which means our spouse tends to get our leftovers. That's not a great way to grow a relationship. And so this morning, we're gonna talk about prioritizing. It's gonna be a big word. We have to reprioritize our lives to make sure that this gift that God's given to us that we hold as the highest priority on earth of marriage 
stays number one, and God uses that to help us even raise up our kids the right way. Now, let me do a little disclaimer here. Nobody loves their kids or their grandkids more than I love mine. I mean, if you know me, you'll, you'll know that that's true. I mean, I am nuts about them, I'm crazy about them. They all have me wrapped around my little finger. My little granddaughters know exactly how to get to me. You know, I mean, they literally will call me first when they need something, and so it just, it's just one of those crazy things. But the issue here is, because I'm not saying you shouldn't love your kids, we have to learn to love our kids differently. Now, what makes this so difficult, though, is the Bible tells us how really important our kids are. For example, if you've got a Bible, open up to Psalm 127. Psalm 127. Psalm 127, and if you look at verse three, it says this. It says, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward. That word heritage there is the word gift or the word blessing. And so our kids literally are a blessing or a reward. Now, for some of you, I know right off the bat, and I want to apologize, but I know even just saying that, that's a very painful thing to hear because maybe you've been trying to have kids and just hasn't, you know, worked and, and so far. And so that's really, it's hard to hear because you feel like you're missing out on this blessing. Because you haven't had kids yet, though, I want to encourage you, that doesn't mean God has not called you to parent. We live in a world today where there's many babies that are not wanted. Whether it's through adoption or foster care, I mean, there's lots and lots of kids out there that absolutely need to be loved. And by the way, if you don't think that's an important thing, then you need to think back to your own theological spot because the truth is the scriptures say that we are adopted into Jesus Christ. None of us are naturally born there, but we're chosen, we're loved in. That's a beautiful thing. Our kids are an absolute blessing. They matter to us, they look like us, they need us, and the truth is, is that most parents would do just about anything for their kids. Now, I gotta be honest with you, I, because I'm a guy, I like, cars that make noises, so I'm gonna, you know, the whole electric thing, they're gonna have to put like a fake noise thing in, you know, for me, because I like that, you know, like the sound of a car, a good Harley sound sometimes, you know, for a bike, and you know, you like the good looks of a car, I mean, you don't want just like a vehicle, and that's why, you know, to be honest with you, minivans to me are like, they're not cool looking. You know what I mean? I mean, they look like a big honking bus that somebody just shrunk. Like, honey, I shrunk the kids, and you know, and yet I had three of them. You know why? Because they're like the best vehicle in the whole world. I mean, they totally work. I mean, they got doors on both sides. Kids can pile in, they can pile out. They've all had plenty of room. They have their own space. So it's not like everybody's just sitting like the old station wagon where they're, they're touching me. You know, I mean, there's a little bit of room here that you can actually make it. So, I mean, they really work. They're incredibly practical. And you know what? Parents go and buy these things not because they look good, because they work for their kids. You know, most parents would do anything for their kids. Sacrifice for them, work overtime for them, you know, get all the extra hours, the extra shifts in so they can pay for their, their sports or their, their dance class or whatever the case may be because parents love their kids. 
I can't even tell you how many times that Gala and I have gone out and sat outside, you know, and, and watched some game or some event when it's 110 or 114 degrees, something like that, and there's nobody there except moms and dads because they love their kids or their grandkids. I mean, you're no different. Too often, though, our kids' schedules create priority issues that consume our schedules, especially if our kids are, are doing multiple things. In fact, one of the great things that I learned many years ago was, you know, if you're really wise, put your kids in one thing at a time. Don't let them do multiple things because all you're doing is discipling your kids on getting a confusing lifestyle too much going on. Teach them to appreciate one thing, put their heart into it, do it really well, and then when it's time to transition, go to the next. That's a good way of getting about it. The Bible has clear priorities for us. The first one is the priority of marriage. Now go back to the very first book of the Bible, Genesis, to chapter two. I want you to open up to Genesis two, verse 14, or excuse me, verse 24. Genesis 2, verse 24. The Holy Spirit, God the Father here, would have directed Moses to write this down through the Holy Spirit. And the words say this, verse 24 says, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Now, that's a really important verse, and the reason why that's, that verse is so important is because it's quoted time and time again in the scriptures. For example, not only does God the Father say that there, but if you were to go to Matthew chapter 19, verse five, Jesus would affirm the very same words when he says, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. But then it's not just God the Father saying, and not just Jesus, our Savior and Lord. If you were to go to the epistles, you'll see that Paul, who is the primary writer of the New Testament, in Ephesians chapter five, verse 31, says this, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now here's what that tells me. If the Father says it and the Son says it, and the writers of scripture say it, there must be a truth here that is very important for you to catch. And the truth is this, the normal pattern of life, and by the way, I say normal pattern because you know there's always exceptions to the rules. Families sometimes have, have family issues that just need to be dealt with. But the normal pattern of life is, God is calling you as a child to grow up, learn from mom and dad, and one day go out and start your own family but he's calling mom and dad to stay together. That's really important. Really important truth here. Marriage is so important that Paul, if you were to go to Ephesians chapter five, will actually you know, liken that marriage relationship to the relationship between Jesus Christ and the church. In fact, let me even take it a step further. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter seven. Open your Bibles up to 1 Corinthians seven. Paul here is going to give us a very unique example of, a mar of marriage priority for our lives when he says this in 1 Corinthians seven, starting at verse three. He says, the husband shall give 
to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For if the wife does not have authority of her own body, but the husband does, likewise the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Now here's what he says in a very unique way. Your bodies are not your own. They are the property of your spouse, not your children. And very often what happens is when babies come along that moms and dads can almost forget about each other because the kids take so much from us. Somewhere along the line, that has got to be reprioritized back into our lives. That our bodies are the property of our spouse. Solomon, who was the wisest man who ever lived, as he was talking about the goals of this life, lived here on this earth. And Ecclesiastes chapter nine gives this great piece of advice. Enjoy life with your wife. I would just translate that to spouse. You want to know what the good things of life is? Find someone to share it with and then just enjoy those days. That's what's good in life. That's what he's saying. Now, the Bible is really clear here that your relationship with Christ should be first. Matthew chapter 6, 33, you've heard us quote that you know, a thousand times. You know, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and, and all these things will be added unto you. So that has to be our priority, but the next priority is marriage. Now, what are some of the issues? This is the second thing here. What are some of the, the marriage and parenting issues? And we're gonna give you six of them. And you'll have to forgive me because some of this may be seeming like a, a, a big hose that we're gonna be spraying here. And so, you know, I'll try to get through these and, and uh, hopefully you can look into more of them later though. But six different things. The first one is this, is that parenting can easily rob us of our energy. Parenting can easily rob us of our energy. Anybody here, any parent here would agree with that? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, if we're gonna be honest about this, I mean, this is absolutely the case. There's a joke, a running joke in my family that goes like this. Yeah, mom and I used to be young until we had children. <laughs> and it's true. I mean, think about it. You know, you bring a baby home, uh, you know, uh, the, the very first time, and they're not on a perfect schedule. You don't walk in and go, okay, little one, you're gonna go to sleep now, and nine hours later, you wake up when mom and daddy wake up. And could you do your own diaper? You know, I mean, we don't do that, right? Kids will sleep when they want to sleep, and when we want them to sleep, they don't. And yet, you still have to go to work. And you got to get everything done. And you know what ends up happening? You get less and less sleep, and you get shorter and shorter, you know, sort of that, that angst about you, and it just saps your energy as a parent. In fact, Barner Research Group, you know, came up with this thing that said that 42% of young couples literally asked to meet with someone to talk about what's going on in their life when this baby comes along. Now, if 42% of people are asking for you know, an opportunity to come in and go through counseling, I'm telling you, it's double that that are really dealing with it. It's not easy. I mean, kids are takers. I mean, they need us, and very often at the end of a full day of work, you know, helping our kids then with their homework or, or playing with them or entertaining them or if they're younger, you know, feeding them and bathing them. By the time we get them in bed finally, all we want to do is just sit down, turn the TV on and don't have to think anymore and let the TV do the thinking for us. 
So at that point, there's no talking, there's no laughing, there's no flirting. We're just tired. You just want to go to bed. The problem is, like I said before, is energy is not infinite. The more energy that I spend on my kids means less energy I spend on my spouse, which means less energy for romance. See how quickly it could slip away. You see any potential problem in that? I mean, because I'll be honest with you, it doesn't take a rocket science to realize that, that there's always gonna be one person in the family, in the, in the marriage there, that's gonna have a, song, a stronger sex drive than the other. And that means that it's gonna be easy for one person when they get tired to say no and shut their spouse down. And then what you end up having is you have one spouse that becomes the pursuer and the other spouse that becomes the discourager. That's a recipe for having to come into the office and meet with marriage counseling. And you know what it comes back to? Our priorities, how we set up our priorities. If I can stop and rewrite what I need to do and how my schedule is gonna go, things can change. Now there's a second issue, and that is that our focus changes. When kids come along, the focus almost automatically goes because they need it. It changes from our spouse now to our kids. Now, we can still say, well, I say I love you, but you know what, saying the words and actually you know, fulfilling it and, and, and doing it and actually you know, doing something about it because actions speak much louder than words, it's different stuff. What happens though is when our spouse doesn't feel focused on, it's very easy for us to start having selfish thoughts and to think things like, well, you know, my spouse is just not meeting my needs. Or to have the other spouse say, you know, well, my spouse just does not understand. And it's very easy to become angry and bitter and even apathetic. There's a third issue, is that relationships can get stale. You know, our, when our priorities are all out of whack, it's very easy to get tired, discouraged, overwhelmed. Uh, our schedule can just get out of control. I mean, we live life almost like we're a taxi service, you know, going from one event, you know, to, to another event. We forget about goals that we have as a family all together. We forget how to serve one another, which is a huge part of the marriage relationship. We start keeping score. I can't tell you how many times I'd heard people say, well, yeah, I would like to do that, but I've done the last four things. That's not good. Either way. We forget all the little things that we did to win someone's heart and how wonderful that simple things are, like taking a walk together, going for a bike ride, going and getting coffee or ice cream. I gotta tell you something, one of the great things that I always loved in life is my wife used to leave when we were, you know, we were dating, she would leave me these little notes on the car just you know, under my windshield wiper. That was a, can I say turn on? That was a major turn on, I really liked that. You know what I mean? That was like, it felt so good, you felt so loved at that moment. That didn't take a lot. You know, in marital counseling, and I don't, I don't, that's not my area, you know, any longer. But when people would come to me and they would say, you know, I just really feel like I, I just want it to be like it used to be. You know, my response to them was, well, then go back and do what you did at the beginning when you won their heart. 
By the way, that's a biblical principle. Jesus, when he stops in Revelation chapter two and looks at the church in Ephesus, he looks at him and he says, you know, you lost your first love, but here's how you're gonna fix it. Go back and do the things you did at the beginning. That's a great principle for marriage. Go back and do what you did, that those, those little things, they matter. Now the fourth issue is we feel guilty for not focusing on our kids. You know, I've heard parents express a guilt for not being able to give their kids everything. I just wanna give them everything. Listen, spoiler alert, they don't need everything. They don't. They don't need a cool car. They don't need a, an expensive vacation. Uh, they don't need to be involved in three activities at once. What they need is, they need you. They need time with you. They're watching you. They're learning from you. You're the model that they have. Now there's a fifth thing here is, is that very often one of the things that happen is we worry about our kids unrealistically. We get these thoughts that, oh, I, I, if I let them do that, they're gonna get sick. Well, of course they are. They're like Petri dishes. You ever watch a little kid blow their nose? It's disgusting. Hey, and they're gonna get sick. Well, what if they, they fall down and they get hurt? How many of you have broken a bone before? Did you recover? Yeah, I mean, you're all alive, you're here, right? I mean, I've broken both my arms twice, ribs and a foot. You know what, big deal, my foot hurts when it rains, okay? Not a big deal, they're all gonna fall down. I mean, that's why they climb trees. Ultimately, they don't figure out how to come back out of it. They fall out of them, I mean, it just happens in life. Well, maybe they're gonna get germs. Uh, yep, they need germs. In fact, we probably need better immune systems today than, than ever before. I mean, it just seems like if you've read anything, it seems like America has become in this place where we sterilize every single thing out there and our kids are, they're not gonna have the, the systems you know, that they need to have. There are kids in a lot of third world countries that have better immune systems than our kids. Shouldn't be like that. I mean, we lived. How many of you drunk out of the hose? Could you imagine your kids doing that today? Our parents going, oh no, please don't do that. <sighs> no. Well, what if they make a mistake? Then they make a mistake and they grow. I mean, didn't we make mistakes? Mistakes are a part of growing up. You ever heard the term helicopter mom? That helicopter mom could be a dad too. But a helicopter mom is the one that's sort of hovering around, making sure that the kid doesn't make a mistake or doesn't get a germ. I gotta be honest with you, I started thinking back on my own childhood, I don't remember anybody ever doing that. Some reason why our society today has decided that's a good thing. The sixth thing here is our emotional needs. Very often parents will use their own children to meet their emotional needs. They need to be needed. There's a need to feel necessary. There's a need to feel loved. When the truth is we're not supposed to get our needs met by our kids, we're supposed to get our needs met by God. 
by a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And by the way, it's so fulfilling the way that happens. If you're single, here's the cool thing. If you're single and you have a need, God doesn't have a surrogate between him and you. He meets your needs directly. You go right to him. If you're married, more than likely in your home, in your family there, God will use your spouse in that role to minister to you. But either way, our kids are not intended to meet our needs. In fact, as a parent, my role as a parent is to help my kids be less dependent on me and more dependent on God. By the way, there's huge benefits for our kids in all of that. They will be way more secure. When they learn to trust in God, this is a lifelong issue for them because one day we won't be there. But it also creates a stability in them. You know, after years and years of working with students, I want to tell you something. You could always tell those, those kids that felt like they, lived, they came from a stable home because they seemed stable too. They came from a place where, you know, mom and dad loved each other and they worked out their problems, they talked about things, and you know what? God just kind of blessed that. And it was the only model that they had. Because see, role models actually matter here too. I mean, like for example, I have three kids. How would my daughter learn what type of man she should marry other than look at me? That's a big responsibility, huge responsibility. You see, I'm standing up for the whole male race at that point going, okay, you need a model? I'll accept that role, I'm your dad. Or the same thing for my boys. You know, to, to find a, a, a wife someday, what are they gonna do? They look at their mom and they go, mom, show me what a wife and a mom is supposed to look like. That's what they're doing. They don't say it out loud, but that's what they're saying. It's a hugely important role that we have. What about hope? You say, what do you mean hope? You know what's interesting? One of the things right now that's, very, that's true of this generation that's coming up right now is that there seems to be a, um, a hopelessness in them regarding marriage. That they're all afraid. They're afraid that they're gonna enter into a relationship that's not gonna work, that's, that's, that they're gonna be unhappy and that maybe they would be better not kind of going that route. You know what, we are the ones that carry the opportunity to pass on to them what hope looks like. Wanna know how they'll get it? Wait till an issue pops up, and by the way, when there's more than one person in a relationship, issues will pop up, okay? We're humans. How do you handle it? I mean, do you handle it from on high with a loud voice and, or, or you have the capacity to sit down and realize you know, that Proverbs 15, one says a gentle answer turns away wrath. So when I wanna have a conversation about something that could be hard, I will sit down and lower my voice like a kindergarten teacher does because they're the smartest teacher in the school, typically. You know, they know how to talk to all these little kids. They, I mean, it's an amazing thing. I can't talk to them. They can, you know I mean? But they, they lower their voice down. Try that in your home next time you have an issue. Instead of raising your voice, lower it. Now, how do we reprioritize our marriage? 
I'm gonna give you five ones. I'm sorry, again, here comes the, the fire hose. Give you five ways. The first one is this, affirmation. It starts with our words. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 11 says, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. In other words, our words have the ability to build up or they have the ability to tear down. They have the ability to encourage or discourage. They have the ability to reassure or discourage in the process. And so what we need to do is learn how to affirm in our homes. And you start by, reaff- by, by affirming your spouse. The second way is touch. Human touch is incredibly powerful tool that, that's available to us. And I'm not trying to be weird here, but when my wife reaches over and puts her hand on my arm, I don't go, <sighs> I kind of go, I like that. I like every touch. When she bumps into me, I like it. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I, I, your kids like it too. They do. In fact, as human beings, we like it. Walk by people and people will go, hey, how you doing? Hey, how's it going? We like interaction. It's important. It matters. You know, one of the great examples of that is, you know, when we go down to Haiti, we do a lot of trip, you know, trips to Haiti. Go down to Haiti and, and we'll go down there and we'll do, um, you know, eye care stuff and, you know, building the church uh, up and, and, you know, adding, you know, building projects into the whole thing and, and evangelism stuff and, and it's great and everything. But we always get to, at the end of the day, go back to where the orphanage and the creche are at. And you go back there for one reason, whole babies. It's the most amazing experience. You will go, though everything you'll do there is, is important, it all matters, but that part right there is higher than all others because you walk into a place of babies that do not get held on a regular basis and you get to love them. And they will hold on to you so tightly that they don't want to let you go and they will wait for you to come back and they will watch for you the next day and they're going to come right to you because they want to be held because human touch affirms that you matter. Well, that matters in a marriage too. In every area, it matters with your children and it matters in your marriage. Do not stop doing that. In fact, add to it. And by the way, this isn't human touch. This is. Now, let me keep going here. The next thing is dates. I really believe strongly in dates. Um, and I think, you know what, start by going to the movies. And I know what you're gonna say. Well, yeah, but it's so much easier and cheaper just to watch it on, you know, on Prime or, or on Netflix. I get it completely, but it costs you nothing to do that. And you know what? Getting a little bit dressed up, getting in the car and going out and setting someplace and doing all that sends a message, you're worth it. We're gonna have this experience together. When you first started, you know, together, when you first started your relationship, what did you do? You dated. So go to a game together. Go for a bike ride. Uh, go for a walk. Go shopping together. I know that what some of you guys are probably thinking, oh, that sounds like torture. Yeah, but torture might lead to intimacy. Okay. Third thing is accept responsibility for prioritizing your marriage. In other words, it can't just be the husband's role or it can't just be the wife's role. It's gotta be both of your roles. The fourth thing is get away without your kids. Now, as a grandparent, I'm telling you, please, that's a good thing to do. 
I love, I love it when my kids you know, get left with me, the grandkids get left with me. It's, it's such an amazing experience. And I, I guarantee you the grandparents want to do that. If you say, well, I don't have any grandparents here. You know, we moved from some other place. Here's how you do it. Find another couple and you go to them and you go, hey, we'll watch your kids this weekend. You watch ours next. You know what they'll do? Okay. Because they want to get away too. The fifth thing is pray together. Build your spiritual life together. The best thing you can do for your kids and for your marriage is to have a strong spiritual life. But then let me encourage you that that prayer time will also create a love between you. You want to make sure you love their mom or you love their dad. You want to make sure you stop in front of them and kiss them, even though they're going to probably gag and roll their eyes. They are not sickened by that. They will think secretly that that is wonderful. It's in loving your spouse that we provide a healthy picture of marriage, a healthy picture of affection. This is going to be hard, but I want to just want to make sure you catch this. How affectionate do you want your kids' marriages to be? How warm do you want them to be? Are you good with them being cold and aloof? Because if you model that, that's what they'll do because they're only gonna do what they know by watching you. But if you want it to be warm and loving, you gotta be warm and loving. Give them a healthy picture of playfulness, so play. Give them a healthy picture of prioritization, so make priorities and stay with them. Give them a healthy picture of how to work through conflicts, so let them hear you and see you sit down together and maybe stop even and pray and just work through the different issues that are there. Your marriage is a hugely important part of your spiritual walk and their development. It's in marriage that God gives you someone on a 24-7 basis that you get a chance to serve and they watch. Ephesians chapter five, when it talks about marriage, it lays out something that's amazing in it. In Ephesians five, it will tell you that marriage is predicated on mutual service to each other. It starts off with a wife and it uses this word that the world has just destroyed, the word submit. And then it goes over to the husband and it says lay your life down, which means die. Those are servants' roles. If you've got a wife that walks in and says I'm gonna follow you and a husband says I'm gonna lay my life down for you, they're both serving each other. I've never, I mean, all the years that I did marital counseling, I never had a woman struggle with submitting to a man that laid his life down for her every single day. Never. Marriage also gives us a path to completion in life. Go back to Genesis chapter two. Look at verse 24 one more time and let me make sure you catch this. Genesis chapter two, verse 24 says, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. There are four markers in that passage. The first one is you're supposed to leave this old life. That relationship you had with mom and dad changes slightly as you get older. Then it says you're supposed to go to a spouse. In other words, you go to this new person. Then it says you're supposed to hold on for dear life. And sometimes you have to. 
Again, the fact that there's more than one person in a marriage means you're gonna have issues. But the result of all that is, you will become one. You'll experience completion. It's the best you can get, and you will model it for your children. You will give them a clear model every single day. You know what, I'm not sure what to do. Oh yeah, what do my parents do? That's what parenting is all about, about loving the spouse that God's given you. Would you pray with me? Father, Father, I would ask that you would use um, this time together to challenge each of us to love the person you put in our lives, to sacrifice for them, to serve them, to affirm them, to touch them, to speak words of kindness and love and encouragement. All the time knowing, God, that we are just getting better at parenting when we do all of that because we're providing a safe picture of what it means to love another person and to be loved by another person. And Father, we pray that you'll allow us to do that today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. It's Valentine's Day. Even the world knows that we gotta stop and remember how important romance is. Don't let the world be your only teacher here. Take some time this week to reprioritize some things in your life. Start the process today of reaffirming through your words and through touch, your love, and watch what God does, not just in your marriage, but even with your own children. You're gonna be blessed for it all. God bless you, love you all.